Thank you for listening to the sermons here at Ascension Lutheran Church. Our worship services happen on Sunday mornings. 8.30 is our traditional worship service, and 10.30 is our contemporary worship service. We'd love to see you on a Sunday morning. You can visit us also on our website at www.alcrpv.org. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you have shown up in this room, that you have given us your peace, your hope, your light, your love. Lord, we ask in this time that you might give us new eyes and new ears, because Lord, we need you to do the work here. If it's, um, if it's my work, if it's the band's work, if it's Mark's work, nothing will happen But when your Holy Spirit shows up, when you bring grace and truth and peace and life, then then lives are transformed. So, Lord, we submit this whole time to you. Let there be less of me and more of you. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Fruit of the Spirit, continuing with love. Looking this month at the fruit of of love. And love in general is a is a word that is so often used. And we in English, we know that we have a love problem and love has really been hijacked and taken away from us. This idea, this word of love. Firstly, in the English language, um, I can do two things. I can say to you, I love Emily and my children and would do anything for them. And you'd say, wow, And I'd say, and I love chocolate pie. And I would do anything for a piece of chocolate pie. And you think, but there's a problem there, right? Same word. I hope it means different things, right? But we have the same word conveying this idea to us. Love gets us in trouble. And then love has been taken over by our good friend Hollywood, which is using all of its tools and all of its methods to tell these stories about love. But what are the love stories? But, you know, incredibly fit people on some beach with rain, um, giving everything for that moment, that moment of love, which then we know three weeks later, they probably break up over a misunderstanding over what's for dinner that night, right? That this passion, this moment of pure love and our confusion over what love is and how we define love. And here we have the very first fruit of the spirit. By contrast, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Jesus says this in the upper room. He says, John chapter 13, verse 31 through 35, he says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. And if you have your Bibles open, um, and if you brought your Bible, I would encourage you in verse 33 to underline or highlight, write a note to the word little children and write a little note there that says, Technia. And what that means is it's this affectionate term for the children that that you love and want to be with, and a compassionate term, little ones, ones who I care for. I am just with you a little bit longer, 
and you're gonna try to find me, but I can't be with you right now. And I give you this new commandment that you love one another. Then Paul writes that great verse in love. And so we're left with this wondering. We're left with this confusion over what is love. And when we come to love as a Christian, I think that we can very simply define it. Love is shown in the actions and life of Jesus Christ. In who Christ was and what he did is the definition of love. So as a Christian, when we start to think about love, it starts with looking at the cross. It starts with looking at a God who is willing to come out of heaven, be incarnated, walk around in a real body, suffer, um, sweat, and sleep, and be tired, and you know, see his friends betray him, to go to a cross, and ultimately to resurrect from the dead. And in that is what love is. In that is the way we understand love. Love is not a feeling that bubbles up inside of us. It's not a romantic, well, I mean, it's partly a romantic thing that's portrayed in Hollywood. Love is not the way that I feel towards a delicious meal. Love is self-sacrificing, looking at the needs of the other and being willing to set aside our needs for the needs of the other person. And in Christ, we see love. And so Jesus then says in this verse, he says, as I have loved you, so you should love one another. Our love is modeled and starts with Jesus's love for us. That is the root That is the heart, that is the the fertilizer on the ground, that's the water of the spirit that gives us the ability to love. Well, then, then how do we love? What does that love look like? Well, Jesus just showed us in the previous chapter. If you flip back to John chapter 13 with what's going on here, you'll see what Jesus has done. So he's in the upper room, and where we have Jesus and his disciples and the other three gospels, they take this moment to do communion and teach us about the Lord's Supper. John does something different. And now I want to tell you a story about one of the great regrets of my life and this scripture verse here. So hopefully this all stays in your mind. Um, Before Emily and I got engaged, Emily was saying to me, she was saying, you're not going to be able to trick me. I'm looking for the engagement. I'm looking for the surprise. And I said, okay. And so then the way I got her was I had her pastor call her, our pastor, and say, hey, can you come help us on a Saturday night to set up the church so that we can be ready for Sunday? Emily goes, sure, of course, we'll be there. But what they really were doing was getting the church ready for me to propose to her. They put candles and and flowers and got a chair up. And we came walking in and Emily goes, Steve, we're here to help. And she goes, huh, I just they got stuff done before we got here. Look, it looks nice. And she's coming in and she sits in the front pew looking towards this chair that was set up for her. And I say, no, you're supposed to sit there. And that's when it all clicks, right? And this, this is the moment of regret. I thought, oh, Scott, 
you are so good with words. You're going to just flow and just have these romantic things that you say. And when you propose to someone, your brain just, just shuts down. It's a high intensity moment. You're not sure what to do. And you're just, and so I go to, I go on my knees and the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to wash her feet. And I look at Emily and I'm trying to think of anything romantic to say. And I have a white space. And so my brain goes, Scott, what do you know? And it goes, oh, you know theology. So the very first line I say to Emily as I'm about to propose, is, did you know that in the Gospel of John, he replaces the Lord's Supper with foot washing? And Emily looks at me and she says, I did not know that. Tell me more. (laughs) That was not her response. It's this moment where I go, oh, I really should have planned something else. But that's, but that's what you got. But it makes for a wonderful sermon illustration. Here, I, It's true. What I told her is absolutely true. John takes this moment and puts foot washing in there. Here's why I think why. In the Gospel of John, it's written last. It's the latest we have of the Gospels. And the previous three Gospels were written 20, 30 years earlier, and they use this moment to highlight the Lord's Supper. And now, 30 years later, the people are practicing the Lord's Supper. They're doing this. They're coming to the table. They're receiving the forgiveness, the body and blood. Yes. And John's going, but something else happened up there. Something important happened in that upper room. Let me tell you the story about what else happened. And so John puts in that room with communion this moment of Jesus washing their feet. And what Jesus does is he goes to his disciples, he takes off his robe, he ties a towel around his waist, and he kneels down. And in kneeling down before each of his disciples, he is modeling the lowest of the low servants in that day. Remember that that these are sandal-wearing people. They're walking through the dirty town. There's no sewers. There's no public trash system. There's not like Disneyland where they walk behind the horses and clean up as the horse goes. It's dirty streets. And when you're walking to someone's home, You get your feet washed because they also don't eat on tables. I like to think of us as hovering people, right? We're always about two feet off the ground like you are right now. They were floor people. They sat on the floor. Their table was on the floor. Their food was on the floor. So you're taking that foot that's walked through those streets and walking around on your kitchen table with it. Well, you don't want that, right? So the lowest of the low servant takes their feet as they walk in and they scrub it away. They wash it clean so that you enter the house and you're able to walk with clean feet. Jesus gets down in his row or with his towel and he starts scrubbing the disciples' feet. Now, we wash feet here and we do so, but we usually do it in a, in a beautifully symbolic way and it's important Jesus got in the nooks and the trannies. Jesus is taking their feet and he's functionally making them clean. And 
They're watching the Lord, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the highest of the high, the one who they've seen heal people and with his voice send away demons. I mean, just do incredible things. And now he's on his knees in front of each one of them, washing their feet. And Peter does what Peter always does. Nope, you're not doing that to me. I will not let you wash me. And then Jesus looks at him and he says, if I don't wash you, you can have no part of me. So Peter, again, being Peter, says, then the whole thing. Just, you can see Peter start to strip off stuff. Start washing it. That's what it is. No, 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 no. I just need to wash your feet. Okay. <laughs> I'll go with you there. You just got, I mean, Peter's exuberance is, is awesome. And he goes through and he washes each person's feet. And then he looks to them and he says, if I, your master and your Lord, am willing to get down to this level to wash your feet, you are called to go out into this world and to do the exact same thing. You are called to see the needs of others and serve them where they are. I descended from the heavens to be with you. I descended on my knees to wash your feet. I descended into the dead to redeem you. How low are you willing to go to serve your neighbor? And in doing this, he defined what love was. So when Jesus says to his disciples, he says, I give you a new command that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. This is 15, 20 minutes maybe away from him washing his disciples' feet. So for them, the word love that has been bombarded with all of these things in English language and Hollywood culture, for them, the word love has just been defined by their Lord and their master on his knees, washing their feet. Now you go out and do the same thing. Now you go out and serve in the same way. So Paul then, with that idea and with that word floating around, in 1 Corinthians um, 13, he fills it up where he starts to talk about this kind of love and he says, now this kind of love is patient and it's kind. This, this stuff, it's not envious, it's not boastful, it's not arrogant, it's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. What, what Paul's doing is he's filling up this word with what it is. So these are the traits of the people who are loved by God and are sent out then to be lovers of God into their community. Full of these things. Not because of our ability to create them inside of us, but because of our plantedness by the river of life with the Holy Spirit flowing into us, creating this kind of love. So what is love? Love is servant love, putting one another's needs in front of our own, willing to go to our lowest lows so that we can serve those around us willing to give them the meal, willing to give them the money, willing to give them what they need to see them as a beloved creature of God. Not someone to be used or abused or taken advantage of to get what I want, but someone to be served 
because they are beloved by God. Now, each one of us is, is, is going, yeah, okay, but you don't know about so-and-so. But you don't know what so-and-so did to me. You don't know how they treat me. In the story, when Jesus is down on his knees washing the feet of the disciples, the next action that happens in the Gospel of John is Judas gets up and leaves the room and goes out to betray him. Which means Jesus stooped down and washed Judas's disciples Judas's feet, knowing where he was about to go and knowing what he was about to do. This is the love of God. This is the way God loves his people. This is the way God sacrifices and submits even to the one who's about to go out and betray him for 30 pieces of silver. Our definition of Christians as love, of love, is different than the world's. Because it is focused on a cross, an empty tomb, and a foot washer. Jesus says to love our neighbors, and I think it's interesting that as, as we walk our neighborhoods, and it's so easy, it's so easy to do, and, and we see the, the yard that's out of control. Right, The weeds are going and it hasn't been mowed and, and the trees aren't taken care of and you look in and you go, just what's going on? And I would say it's easy for us to become irritable <laughs> or resentful, right? Um, it's easy for us to start keeping a record of Ron. Oh, I've mowed my lawn today, but they haven't. Check. These are easy things to do. And our heart wants to do that. In sin, um, in all of that, we want to be the opposite of these things. But I would challenge you, and let's just use the yard of the neighbor that's out of control as an example. Instead of doing the irritable thing, the resentful thing, what if we do a curious thing? And what if we say, I wonder what's going on inside of that house. I wonder if there's mental illness inside that house. I wonder if addiction is raging inside of that house. I wonder if they're afraid to come out of their house because of something that's happening as happened in their past. I wonder what it would be like if instead of me being irritable or resentful, I wonder if I was willing to knock on a door and be curious about their heart and where they are. Knowing that we probably will be rejected time and time again. But if instead of doing the things that love battles against, instead of coming at it with irritableness and resentfulness and and making a checklist of how right we are, if instead of that we come at it with curiosity and we just say, is there a way I can serve you this week? Do you need someone to go to the store? Do you need someone to just take a moment to pray with you? Do you need someone just to listen to you? See, I think that all of us, I mean, our, all, each person here, our yard is out of control as well. 
We have certain things we hide, certain things we keep away from others. But what it needs is someone being the hands and feet of Christ to be curious for us and loving us. And this is the challenge of love. The challenge of love is, is to not define love by our feelings, is to not define love by what Hollywood does, but instead to define love by a cross, by a tomb, and by a foot washer. To realize we are loved in that way. And then to have him look at us, technia, little children, those I adore, I want to be with. Now go out and love one another. And to have that be the call. To have that be the fruit of the Spirit that dwells inside of us by the power of the Holy Spirit producing something new. And so I know that when sermons like this happen, somebody comes to mind, right? Maybe for you, maybe for you it's not a neighbor. Maybe for you it's that one contact in your phone who you keep scrolling by. (laughs) I know I'm supposed to call them, but I don't want to. I know I'm supposed to text them, I don't want to. I know I'm supposed to forgive them, but I don't want to. Maybe for you, this week, you can just let the love of Jesus, like a radiation ray for cancer cells, go to that person, go to that thing, and just penetrate so that God can break something new inside of that and just see what he does. See who he is. So I would challenge you to be convicted with whatever name it is that you're shoving down (laughs) right now. Be curious and soft and see what the love of God, the one on the cross, the one in the empty tomb, and the foot washer, how does his love transform? Heavenly Father, what an example you are that you have showed us what it is to truly love. So Lord, this, this week, as your Holy Spirit is bubbling inside of us, help us to discover and find the people that you've called us to be Help us to go out and to be challenged to define love in a new way. Not by the things that we have done or the ways that we've acted, but by your actions for us. So Lord, take this time and let us be found as foot washers. Let us challenge to get down as low as we can go to serve those around us. Let us be willing to be curious, curious about the ways of the people around us who irritate us, who who make us resentful. Instead of riding, going to that place, let us be willing to serve them and show them love.